Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we're glad you are. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hours. We kick off another week. Bob Getty and Kelly Center. We're at the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. We'll be joining up with Luke and Laurel uh, here in just a few moments. Uh, but first of all, glad you're with us and thanks for tuning in again today. Opening segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Uh, nothing changes there. The food's delicious seven days a week. You can always enjoy Dickies uh, with your family in the dining room, or they can deliver to your house, and they'll tailgate for you by providing you with the best food uh, anywhere in the tailgate section of the next Southern Miss home game. So make sure that you include Dickies in uh, your plans for every meal. All right, Kelly Sander. Uh, well, let, we're going to get to football in just a moment, and, and obviously it was another disappointing uh, football night, and uh, the Golden Eagles are just not – playing very well at all but there's big news right now about conference usa whether it materializes into anything or not i don't know but why don't you share that with our listeners cbs sports is reporting day today bob that that via a zoom conference meeting that two men who were former former commissioners in power five jim delaney the former big 10 commissioner and kevin weiberg who was the former big 12 commissioner are making a presentation to the Conference USA presidents that they would like to see a regional conference take place between Conference USA, the Sun Belt, and the AAC. And the way that it would work is that they would break down all the teams and place them by geography. For example, a southwest region of all those schools would pretty much consist of the teams from Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Arkansas State, Louisiana, Lafayette, Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Tech, Tulane, North Texas, Rice, SMU, Texas State, UTSA, and UTEP. For example, that would be be one. Well, the AAC and the Sunbelt commissioners, the AAC has already said via spokesman they have absolutely no interest in this potential realignment. And the Sunbelt commissioner, Keith Gill, I mean, he, Keith Gill himself said, not happening, that we're very strong, we like where we are right now. But now there's also news reporting today that the AAC, in order to try to keep its head above water, is now looking at UAB, North Texas, Texas State, UTSA, and Appalachian State from the Sun Belt. Because as tenuous as things look for Conference USA, it looks every bit as rough for the AAC going forward. Now, again, those other two conferences, the AAC and Sun Belt, said they have no interest in this plan. But the Conference USA presidents are being shown this today via a Zoom computer conference. The next week, we are told they are going to meet in person to discuss it further. Well, 
And, and I was aware of this story, and, and I think Luke is with us now, but here, here's what I take from it. Based on what the other two conference leaders had to say, based on what you just said about the AAC, I personally, Bob Getty, no one's told me this, just what I've observed in talking to various people at the university, I'm more convinced than ever that Southern Miss is headed to the Sun Belt Conference. Furthermore, if the other two conferences are not interested, why do you even need to have this well, second that, meeting? Well, because it's Conference USA. And here's the thing that worries me. Has anyone notified Judy McLeod about any of this? Do you think, Luke? Does she know about it? <laughs> I mean, g- generally speaking, the Sun Belt is in the strongest position here. And, and who would have thought that, you know, a month and a half ago? I think what basically the AAC knows they're in trouble. And they're in trouble because the Mountain West stoneballed them and, and boxed them out. And I think that the AAC is where the AAC is trying to get ahead of this. Conference USA knows that they're in trouble, too. I feel like the Mountain West is probably, with with what UTSA is going to do this year, you feel like the Mountain West may go after you know one or two of the Texas schools. So the Sun Belt is the best option. And I find it funny here that it seems as if Conference USA and the AAC are a little more desperate. The Sun Belt is just, you know, we're fine. It's 72 degrees outside, sun shining, and the American is starting to look more and more desperate by the day. And you can't, I think Winston Churchill even said, you can't negotiate with a lion when he's got you pl- firmly implanted in his mouth. Right. <laughs> right? right. And this looks like a move of desperation. There's no other way to put it because Conference USA knows they're on the outside looking in because we've mentioned that. There's potential that Southern Miss could leave. UTSA has brought people on board to specifically look at their options of getting out of Conference USA. So, so this could, you know, they're they're in the most desperate spot, I think. And Luke could agree or disagree, but I agree with well, his assessment of the AAC. They're also in a tough situation. Well, I want to make this point too. This is maybe the most important time in the history of the Southern Miss football program. What happens in the next month, two, three, four months could shape really the destiny of the football program. If the football program gets left in a even more weakened conference USA, I don't I just don't see how it survives. If it can make this move that we continue to hear rumors about joining what I believe is an up and coming conference like the Sun Belt then I believe better days are ahead for Southern Miss. Am I exaggerating the problem, Kelly? No, I don't I don't think so. But but sometimes it's difficult to see a problem before it exists. Younger people tend to and not, and not because they're younger people, it's just they haven't lived life, right? As long. So we've seen how things can be can be better. We can also see how things will be worse. And you want to try to head things off before they become a problem. Right. Well, in all honesty, we've always called it honestly on this show. Right now, things could not be worse for the football team. But really, I thought a humiliating loss Saturday night. Am I over-exaggerating that, Luke Johnson? Um, so there's two ways that you look at it. Game-wise, the Eagles were in a good good position coming out of the second half. But when you, you can't block, which has been the – as Will Hall said, the same song. He wasn't particularly talking O-line, but it's the same thing. It's the same song, different verse. And when you got a big play there and you give up you know, a, a, a hit like that with a fumble recovery for a touchdown, kills your momentum, when you get inside the um, 
you know, the, the five-yard line and you can't punch it in four times in a row. So, so the game is, is, is bad. Here's the thing. What about the crowd on campus and tailgating for homecoming? I felt like it was the fan base giving, you know, Will Hall the benefit of the doubt, giving this team the benefit of the doubt. They want to believe they were there. And if you, I think I text you guys this the other night. If you lose on a last second field goal, if you fight and it's a close game, they, they give you the benefit of the doubt again. The problem was, a team that you normally handle pretty well beats you by two touchdowns, and you show impotence at the goal line. That that that's probably it for you know the Southern Miss fan base, at least for this year, uh, collectively believing as a whole in what's going to happen the rest of the year. I felt like th- that as far as a fan base and as far as uh, the, what people wanted, people wanted to believe Saturday, and they were giving them the benefit of the doubt, but but it didn't come to pass and. It, it, it's going to be pretty rough this coming Saturday. Kelly Center, here's the picture of the of the week that was sent to me. I got it just a few minutes ago. It is a picture that was taken when Southern Miss quarterback was tackled for safety. There are four offensive linemen standing five yards outside of the end zone watching the quarterback be tackled for safety. You remember the uh, the, the country show, uh, Hee Haw? Yes. And, and they always did that song, Gloom, Despair, and Agony on, on Me. <laughs> we if, could write a country song about this season. If I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> Gloom, Despair. Yeah, it's, uh, and I agree, I agree with Luke, too. I, I hate to say that, but, but there, when I showed up tailgating with our crowd, at the, I was impressed at how many people were on campus. It was a little bit toasty. And, you know, you'll hear some people say, I didn't go. It was too hot. No, it was a good crowd. Oh, you meant like weather-wise. I, yeah. I thought you probably meant the other thing. No, no. It, it was, it that was, was a, you later in the day. Yeah, you know, I was toasted later on right. in the day. But um, but there was a good crowd on campus. And I and I know they – and that's the good thing for Will Hall is that if, if there is a good thing, very few people are saying get rid of Will Hall. Right. I mean, they, they understand now what he was given. Oh, oh, Kelly! There, there, there are a few people on the uh, Facebook group that shall not be named. There, there, there are quite a few people that um, just think that six games is is all you get. So, yeah, those people. They, well, they I'd, I, I, I'd like to think that I tailgate with people that have some common sense, other than Thank the you. fact they tailgate with me. Um, so that I mean, I, I think overall, wouldn't you say, Luke, that a large majority of the of our fan base knows, no, I, I knows what's going on? I wasn't saying that th- those people in that echo chamber have any credibility whatsoever. I was just saying, yeah, there's a few of them that are really loud that don't know what they're talking about. Heath Hinton's next on the Eagle Hour, real quickly. Wasn't that awesome to reunite Reggie Collier at Big Nasty Friday afternoon? That was that was a lot of that a lot was of fun. A lot of fun. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. Well, I'll tell you one place that was hopping Saturday. That's Campus Bookmart, and for good reason, on Hardy Street, right across from the Southern Miss campus in the biggest selection 
of Southern Miss Apparel you will find anywhere on the planet. Kathleen is a spectacular lady, has a great crew of kids that work for her. And uh, if you've got Southern Miss Apparel on your mind or on your list, and it's not too early, Kelly Sander, to start thinking about Christmas. No, it's funny because we were tailgating Saturday, and I mentioned to somebody, I said, man, that's a really nice shirt. Where did you get that? And uh, and he goes, man, it's, we're just right over here at this, this real bright yellow building right Apple's here. Bookmark, uh, yeah, man. and I said, well, I've, I'll need to get over there to camp. Oh, yeah, it's just right here. Yeah. <laughs> Also shop them online at campusbookmart.net. Heath Hinton is the proprietor, owner, and operator of Big Gold Nation website. There's a lot of chatter on Big Gold Nation every day about Southern Miss sports. And uh, Heath, uh, we just never been one to be anything but honest on this show. Our love for Southern Miss cannot be questioned. Uh, Anybody that knows us knows that. But I've got to tell you, you know, I've often heard in football everything starts and begins on the line of scrimmage. And right now, the offensive line of scrimmage uh, for USM is not a pretty sight. Yeah, I mean, it's not, guys. It's not anyway. By the way, thank you for having me on, as usual. It it started off the week by finding out, you know, Arvin Fletcher was stepping away, who is your best center all-conference performer, a guy who's played all five positions on the offensive line in his career. And then you get to the game, and it was just, it wasn't good. Uh, how many times did we see offensive linemen standing around uh, while a quarterback was getting sacked or there was a fumble? Uh, Takeen Doss one time recovered a fumble because poor Jake Lang was running for his life. Doss fumbles it up in the air. The defense gets it and scores. Uh, there's no push at the goal line. Now, of course, Jack Walker comes in the game. He. Everybody knows he has an arm issue and can't throw the football. So what does UTEP do at that point? They're just going to – they're coming after him. And uh, the offensive line does get blown off the ball. There was many times where the safety – if you'll go back and look at the safety, there's four offensive linemen there watching Jake Lane get sacked, and it was only a three-man rush that got to the quarterback. Uh, well, that's why those just, other two guys could stand around and watch. They didn't have nothing to do, Heath. <laughs> it wasn't good. In fact, Bob, I sent you some uh, pictures. I hope maybe I you got them. Yes, I did. And and you can see it. There's just no question about it. It is not good. Uh, offensive line play has been bad. Really, the offense itself. I mean, yes, they're on a fifth quarterback, but Jake Lang, uh, it's not his fault he's played well. No, no. no. Considering. No, I've come um, to this conclusion, Heath, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't blame anybody on the offensive team except the offensive line. I think we've got good wide receivers, kids that can run and catch the ball. I think we've got kids playing quarterback as hard as they can. I think Frank Gore Jr. and the people that, that rest him are running hard. They're good running backs, but you have got to have an offensive line to protect the quarterback and and have some, at least some – control of the line of scrimmage and from where i'm sitting we do not have that and call me for place because i thought that was going to be one of the better groups because you go back to last season they played well against fau they played a lot better last season and that's pretty much the same offensive line that came back this year yeah Uh, so you thought they would get better but as we've gone along this season has it gotten worse I mean, it hasn't gotten better, that's for sure. You would think you'd continue to get better. Um, the offensive line has just not been good. And what's the difference? 
I mean, uh, judge for yourself, but it's not good right now. The offense does not look good. Uh, defense is playing their hearts out, but uh, defense can only do so much for you. Well, Heath, you're just uh, a barrel of laughs. Do so much. You're just a barrel of laughs today, Heath. <laughs> I, I'm trying. I'm trying, but you know, sometimes you just got to be honest and and talk about what it is and talk about the problems. And let me ask y'all a question: Is this team better than the team that had three head coaches last year? Or is it better than Ellis Johnson's group? I said. I said that. Uh, that uh, well, said he who must not be named. Yes, that's well, right. Right now, I, right now, I would say no. It's not better than the team from last year because the team from last year won three games. And guys, I have a hard time Luke Johnson looking on the schedule and finding where two more wins are coming from based on what I saw Saturday night. Here's what's frustrating: is is that you have a defense that keeps you in games, and that was one of the biggest deals last year. Was there wasn't much of a defense. So you've got a defense now. You've got guys with pressure on the quarterback with the depleted linebacking core. They're still giving it to you. But, but Heath, let's, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room, okay? Will Hall's your offensive coordinator. He's your head coach. Will Hall is the play caller. Will Hall uh, has a track record of, of, of excellent offenses. So here's the question. Is it, A, a combination of you can't do what he's trying to do right now at the FBS level, just he needs to hire an offensive coordinator? Is it they don't have personnel, which in some ways I agree because from the rushing attack, but from a passing protection, we've been pretty good the last few years. And, I mean, you know, you, you had Abraham, but at the, at the same time you had an efficient pastor, passer. But I, what I'm saying, I'm looking at personnel, and I'm saying roughly it's the same personnel. So is it is it is it a, is it play calling? Is it we need an OC? Is it Hall just needs to be a head coach? Is it we just need brand new personnel, or is it a combination of a lot of that? I think it could be a combination of all. All I do think, you know, the idea of maybe Hall having an OC is not a bad idea. Maybe he needs that buffer there uh, between him and the players. He need he can be the play caller. Uh, Fedora did that. Uh, you can do that, but you also probably need an offensive coordinator. Uh, look at the defense. I mean, uh, they're playing well this year, and there's a buffer there with Austin Armstrong. Maybe you are correct in that assumption that there needs to be an offensive coordinator. Sure, you know, pass blocking last season wasn't bad. They did a good job in that area, pretty much. It's been atrocious this year. I should huh? call it like it is. When you're getting pressure with a three-man front and getting safeties, that's inexcusable. That's inexcusable. Two words, Kelly Sander. Jay Gruden. He's available. He's tan. He's rested. <laughs> you know, he could be. He could be available. But, but, uh, but hey guys, there are, there is a there was a senior bowl um, watchlist player on this offensive line. And he's not even – I don't even think he played last game. Or if he did, he didn't play much. That tells you there's been such a – there's such a uh, difference from last season to this season with the offensive line. It wasn't great last season, but it wasn't as bad as it was this year. And you have them returning. That's kind of what is, – Is that because – troubling. Heath, let me jump. Is, is that because of the nature of it? This is a power spread. This is a more physical offense. 
Whereas, you know, this offensive line, it's the, the running's the same. It's between 2.7 to 3.2 yards a carry. That's what this offensive line has done three years in a row. But I, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, does this offense demand more physicality and this offensive line isn't as physical, uh, isn't, doesn't have the physical nature? They're big, but I'm just talking about like the, the physicality that is demanded out of an offense like this. It could be, but at that point, if you know your offensive line isn't that physical, as a play caller, don't you need to make adjustments to uh, kind of take, in, take into account that, that being the case? Um, if, if that's the issue, then you kind of have to change the way you call plays, maybe. But you guys, part of this, if not a lot of it, still comes down to who you've got. And what I mean by that is, is you had Will Hall's predecessor making decisions as to who they were going to offer scholarships to or not. And that's who's on the field right now. We're players who are given scholarships essentially by a predecessor. So I've said this before, but a lot of this has got to lay at Jay Hobson's feet. Somebody wasn't assessing. And look, with all due respect to these kids that are out there, they're kids, they're not pros, all right? Yep. You know, they're trying their best. Sure. But somebody's just not – somebody in the pre – you know, the, the predecessors didn't make very good decisions as far We're as talent about goes. about 50 seconds left, Heath. Uh, in that 50 seconds, tell us this because you keep up re- with recruiting. Is Will Hall on a lot of offensive linemen right now as far as recruiting kids to bring in here next year? Yeah, he's got three and he's looking at more. Um, yeah, they're doing, you know, thinking that he's going to have seven to replace. He's probably got 31, 32 scholarships to give out this year because of new NCAA rules. Uh, you think back to last year, he told everybody he thought this team was good enough to win. They only gave out 14 scholarships. He could have robbed Peter to pay Paul but and last year and got more scholarships, but he only gave out 14 with some transfers and also had some transfers that came in because that's the only number he had to get back to the magical number 25. But uh, he, he told the people that they were going to win now. I think maybe the talent wasn't at the level that maybe he thought. I don't know. Uh, but it's a, it's a situation where they're going to have to bring a lot of talent in, and that transfer portal, he may have to use a lot more than he ever thought he would because if you're going to get good immediately, you can't rely on freshman offensive linemen. You're going to have to rely on junior college transfers and transfers from the transfer portal. All right. Thank you. Heath Hinton, everybody. Heath Hinton, Big Gold Nation. Check it out. He keeps up to the minute on Southern Miss Sports. Let's switch gears and talk about baseball when we come back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Brand new week on the Eagle Hour. Third segment, as always, brought to you by 4th Street. Located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. 895. Trivia night coming up Wednesday, October 20th at 8 p.m. Always something going on at 4th Street. And uh, maybe you were over there yesterday. As uh, I'll just go ahead and throw this in. The Saints uh, beat a certain football team yesterday. We'll talk more about that in the fourth segment. But you probably had a good time if you watched it at 4th Street, proud sponsor 
of the Eagle Hour, Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Bob, let's talk some baseball. It's always my pleasure to talk baseball, and uh, it's my pleasure to uh, welcome to the Eagle Hour listening audience the new director of player development and operations. He's a familiar face, uh, was a relief pitcher for the Golden Eagles in 2018. His dad was a pitcher for the Golden Eagles as well, and Keller Bradford is now the director of player development and operations. And Keller, congratulations. Welcome back to the Golden Eagle baseball family. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, happy to be here. Tell me where you were when uh, Scott Berry approached you about the job and you expressed to me before you came on the air just how uh, exciting it is for you to be back uh, in the Southern Miss baseball world. Yeah, so I was actually uh, I was actually here at P. Taylor Park. I was uh, the pitching coach and recruiting coordinator for Hines Community College, and I was uh, here watching some players at a showcase. And I guess uh, Colin Cargill had just accepted the job at Mississippi College, and things were starting to open up and move around. And uh, Coach Barry just kind of pulled me off to the side and was like, "Hey Keller, we're uh, th- we had this opening, and then I want you to apply for it." And uh, I knew as soon as he uh, pulled me off and told me that, I knew that it was something I immediately wanted to do. So excited to be back here. So you replaced Colin Cargill. So I mean, is is one of the qualifications now that you have to be a, a side armed relief pitcher to have this job? Absolutely. I think we're looking at bringing Nick Salen in pretty soon and then waiting for Isaiah to graduate, and then he's coming back too. Nick is a little busy right now, I think, but it would be great. Yeah, he might have some uh, some, uh, some different stuff going on. Uh, Director of Player Development and Operations, in a nutshell, what, what are going to be your responsibilities, Keller? So on the player development side, I've been working a lot with uh, the different technology that we have uh, with Rapsodo. Uh, with our pitchers, um, doing everything from velocity to spin rate to movement on the pitch and everything, doing a ton of video. Uh, we've been videoing everything and uh, just kind of working that way to try to uh, try to help out Coach Ostrander and give him as much information as possible with his pitchers. And then on the uh, operations side, you know, it, it's everything that goes into our baseball season and our baseball team as far as, you know, once the season gets here, getting hotels and food and making sure everything runs smoothly on road trips and then the home games and everything like that. All right, Luke, get in here. Keller, welcome back. We just want to know, are you going to rock a pretty cool mustache this year? Is that just for fall ball or spring ball, or are you going to have any of that throwback Raleigh fingers look like you uh, occasionally had at Southern Miss? Well, I just got married in August, and so um, – I'm going to have to run that by my new wife and uh, see what she thinks about the Raleigh Fingers mustache. I don't know if she's going to let me uh, roll with that this year, but that was uh, that was that was good back in the day whenever I had that. <laughs> smart man, that's a that's a smart man learning learning quick. What um I, I guess uh, coming back and you were part of uh, a few different D1 baseball programs. What are you looking most forward to? You know, getting back to the to the D1 level now as a coach. It's got to be that end-of-the-year experience uh, whenever you roll into uh, making a playoff run, conference tournament, and, and looking at getting into a regional and trying, trying to go after and win those things. Um, you know, that at Hines the last two years, and we were able to do that at the junior college level, but there's nothing like conference tournament here um, and having the fans here, and, and especially this year, us, um, you know, hopefully being closer to home and being able to do it here. It's going to be pretty special. That's absolutely what I'm looking forward to the most. It is interesting that Keller Bradford talked about the technology now being implemented in baseball because his father 
was uh, his father's name and somebody portraying, I guess, his father was in the movie Moneyball, where his dad was actually involved in some of that new technology and a new wave of baseball thinking. Kind of tell us more about all that, Kellen, your, your dad getting some uh, national pub. You know, he's no Brad Pitt, but, but I'm just saying, you know, your dad was involved in all that money ball yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's analytics, and that's what the game is moving to now, is, is breaking down every single little thing that happens on the field and trying to project, uh, you know, the, the most efficient ways to win ball games. And, um, you know, he was, he was not a strikeout pitcher. He was a ground ball pitcher. But when they broke down the numbers, I think that he was getting ground ball outs at a, at a better rate than anybody else was striking out people in the game. And so they found him even more efficient because he was using less pitches and, and was able to come back and pitch more days and everything like that. So hopefully I can bring some of that into, uh, into play this year but, with our pitching staff and just kind of break down the efficiency of these guys and, and what they can do and how they can help us the best. But because your dad was more old school certainly than you are, you've been exposed to that old school type, but now you're being exposed to the new age. A lot of old timers are going, I hate the analytics of baseball. Let's make decisions on our heart, our gut. You know, what does our heart tell us? What does our gut tell us? But clearly that is not the way things are going now. No, it's not. I think that there's, there's got to be a mix of both. Uh, I think that you have to be able to recognize, you know, there's some intangibles that are happening out there on the field during games that, that analytics don't account for. Um, and uh, that's definitely the old school way of thinking. I think you've got to combine it a little bit. I think you've got to be able to, to harness the best of both worlds, you know. So do you, do you think that college baseball will ever get to the point that the majors are with these shifts of having, you know, seven defensive players on one side of the second base bag, both in the infield and outfield? I don't know if it's ever going to get there, but I think it's moving that direction. I don't know if it's ever going to be as dramatic. But uh, there's so much more information nowadays that we have access to that we can, you know, we know, what's, we know where the hitters are hitting the ball more so, more than not. There's spray charts. And uh, we have all these numbers that we can use. I mean, it's out there for the public to see. And um, and definitely going to be doing more analytical stuff. I know we did it last year. Oh, and I was not here. But I know that there was a lot of shifts being played and different stuff like that. But uh, I don't know if it's ever going to get to the point of Major League Baseball, but it's definitely moving in that direction. Killer, I've got to ask you this question. I had a chance to meet your dad a couple of times uh, the year that you were here. He was a really nice guy. In fact, we had him on the radio show now that I think about it. Your dad's been on the Eagle Hour. Growing up with a big-time Major League Baseball pitcher father, obviously I'm sure you learned a lot of things from him, but did that add to the pressure of, uh, of you playing college baseball, the fact that everybody, that everybody that got to know you knew that your dad had been a big, a big star in Major League Baseball? You know, a little bit. It wasn't so much uh, growing up until I, you know, until I got to high school, but I went to a, a pretty small high school where there wasn't a whole lot of guys going and playing college baseball every year so um you know i jumped at the chance to be able to play junior college baseball and it just kind of went from there um there was a little bit of pressure there but my dad was always always very supportive and whatever i wanted to do whatever my dream was to go after it and it just happened to be you know the same thing as him going and playing baseball and uh, i can tell you that whenever i decided to drop down be a submarine pitcher like him, I don't think he was very happy about that. He wanted me to stay over the top as long as possible. <laughs> I know I know he supported you because I, I, I would see him every time uh, at every game almost that you were you were there and that when you were playing here and uh, had a chance to meet uh, both your parents. So we, we know that you come from a really quality family. 
and you're and you're now a paid member of a really quality baseball program and tradition, aren't you, Keller? Right, absolutely. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed it since I've, I've been here working with Coach Ostrander, Coach Barry, Coach Creel. Uh, those guys are awesome, and Coach Brewer, um, the new the new uh, catching coach, he's been awesome as well. And it's just it's a really great fun atmosphere and environment every single day in the office and on the field. All right, Luke, you got something else for Keller? we got about uh, 90 seconds left. Keller Intersquad started uh, this past weekend. You guys rolling to kind of, I guess, mid-November. How'd the first uh, first Intersquad look? Well, uh, you know, as to be expected, I think the, the pitchers were a little bit ahead of the hitters this weekend, but that's just, uh, you know, the first time them seeing uh, live pitching and everything. Um, I think we're going to have a really, really good squad. We'll bring back a lot of a lot of experience offensively with uh, with Danny Lynch and Will McGillis and Dustin Dickerson and all those guys that played a huge role last year in the in the run in Oxford and then um, pitching staff wise I think we got a lot of a lot of guys who are going to step up fill those innings got a lot of talent um, and uh, I think I think we're really really poised for a very very good run this year very good club and what are you expecting out of Gabe Montenegro's twenty third season on the team Keller. <laughs> Same thing that we've seen the first twenty-two seasons. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think he's to the he's the age now. His name is Abraham Lincoln Montenegro. <laughs> yeah, seriously, been here for a while, but he's been good. He's in the heart of the Golden Eagle lineup for a while now. Well, Keller, on behalf of all Southern Miss Golden Eagle baseball fans across the country. 50-plus wins, we're behind you all the way. That's all we're expecting, Keller, 50 wins now that you're on the staff. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's our pleasure, and uh, you're welcome here anytime. Welcome to the family. Keller Bradford, everybody, the new director of player development and operations for the Southern Miss Baseball Program. I'll take 50 wins, Center. I'd I'd be satisfied with that. I I know when he hang up, he's going, gosh, I hope they really don't don't mean that. (laughs) What he says, I'll never do that again. Yeah. Well, you know, but but he the point is well made that baseball is going scientifically. There's just no doubt about it. No question. We'll be back. Wrap up the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Final segment brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. DBATHattiesburg.com. Great place to train. Great place to be instructed. DBAT and D1. Proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Keller Bradford joining us. And uh, just a reminder coming up. We are uh, we're planning to be uh, on October 29th at the Scott Berry Classic out at the uh, Hattiesburg Country Club and uh, good stuff going on out there. Always want to support Coach Berry and uh, and the the football or the the baseball program, 10th annual Scott Berry Classic. It's uh, October 29th, 2021, at the Hattiesburg Country Club. For more information, you can call the baseball office 601-266-5821.
Other news and notes from sports, women's golf heads out uh, today or starting today up in Jonesboro, Arkansas at the Lady Red Wolves Classic, sponsored by Arkansas State University at the Sage Meadow Country Club in Jonesboro. Women's soccer over uh, the weekend on Friday tied Louisiana Tech. Coach Moe's squad overall 6-3-2. and two. Uh, in Conference USA play, they are half a game behind Rice. Rice is 3-1, and one, Southern Miss 2-1-2 two, two in Conference USA play. They will take on Rice. Big game in Hattiesburg this coming Thursday. Top two teams in the West uh, will play at 4 o'clock on uh, Thursday. Softball finished up their fall schedule. Took on Jones College and Pearl River College on Friday uh, in a doubleheader. And then women's volleyball dropped two matches to North Texas. Coach Radecki squad 10-10. and 10. Overall, they will host UTEP this coming weekend, Friday at 5 and Saturday at uh, 11. Punters are people too, guys. Mason Hunt having the best punting season in recent memory. For Southern Miss, 50 or 40 punts for a 45.15 average. He is uh, the on the Ray Guy uh, semifinalist watch list. He's also on Ray Guy's list of eight punters uh, for this past week. Southern Miss fans can uh, can look that up on Twitter and vote in that poll for Mason Hunt to be the uh, punter of the week for Ray Guy. But anyway, great, great. He's probably one of the best players on our team. I've been in that situation before uh, as far as like a, a single game or, or a part of a season. You don't want your punter to be the best guy. It's happening right now. A lot of stuff got to improve. But, Kelly, uh, a couple couple baseball news and notes as far as scheduling for Southern Miss. The University of Alabama, the Crimson Tide, has dropped its baseball schedule for the 2022 campaign and has announced that they are headed to Hattiesburg. I think I want to say that's St. Patrick's Day. Uh, March 17th. I could be wrong on that, but uh, but Alabama from the SEC headed to Pete Taylor Park to take on the Golden Eagles. Let's clarify baseball. Not, baseball. Not football. That's right. March 17th, I think, is the date, but uh, Alabama coming to the Pete to play the Eagles next spring. You were talking about punters, and of course, bless his heart, Hunt has had plenty of practice. I yeah, mean, right, on, on the punt. And the poor guy, you, you can recognize him on campus. He's the guy whose right leg is about six inches longer. <laughs> and Luke, I don't even know if you know this. I'm so, I'll, I'll bet people texted you. You got some love on the ESPN7 broadcast the other night. Did you hear that? Well, I, 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 what happened was before the game, I kind of slipped Dustin a, a 220s and said, can you work oh. me in there somehow? Yeah, Dustin no, Allman. I'm just kidding. I got some text messages. But yeah, yeah former teammate. We were there the whole time. I, I like the fact that he's on that broadcast and, and brings some Southern Miss flavor to it. And I, and I do, on a positive note, you know, with the football team, we talked about the good crowd there for homecoming tailgating. And by and large, the, the attendance at the Southern Miss game was, you know, was a nice crowd, which you, you would expect for homecoming. I guess where I'm going with this is, is the fan base so far has not bailed out. I mean, they're there. Okay. I think they now are kind of expecting what to see. I think the... The real, the real test is going to be the Saturday after Thanksgiving, all right, yeah. which everybody tends to be out of town anyway for Thanksgiving weekend, but they play FIU that mm-hmm. day. Two teams, Southern Miss and FIU, have not had no. very good seasons no. so far, and that's a game uh, at, at the Rock. Well, so. let, me, let me finish the show on this positive note. I got to thinking the other night about last week's Eagle Hour. Right. In one week, Kelly, we had Mr. Southern Miss, the original Dixie Darling, the all-time leading rusher in Southern Miss football history, 
arguably the greatest college quarterback of his era, Reggie Collier, the legendary Big Nasty, baseball coach Scott Berry, and the assistant athletic director Brian Morrison all in one week on the Eagle Hour. And Justin Timberlake wanted to come on, but we just didn't have room. We didn't have room for him. (laughs) This week, the Eagle Hour will be at Ramey Motors in Purvis on Thursday, and Dakota would tell you that he's very famous, so he'll be on the show and uh, there will be at Mississippi Made Products with Melissa Socher and update the Corky Palmer raffle uh, effort uh, that we want everybody to be a part of. You can go to the Eagle Hour Facebook page, and there's a link there uh, where you can buy raffle tickets to raise money for Coach Palmer. Great job Friday, Kelly. It was quite a show. And it was beautiful outside and a lot of people there for homecoming. We actually had people who regularly listen to the Eagle Hour on podcast, in podcast format, where they're watching the show, like like people used to watch the Today Show outside the what? window. People watching us do the show. It was pretty neat. You notice, Kelly, what Bob just did. He managed to eat up the remaining 90 seconds of the show to avoid the New Orleans-Washington football game discussion. Well played, Yeti. Well well, well, everybody beats Washington, so I mean it's... I think uh, he's more upset that the Raiders got beat yesterday, too. (laughs) That really hurt my feelings. (laughs) Lee Roberts on the show tomorrow. We'll get his analysis of the UTEP game and uh, what's up next for the Golden Eagles UAB. Until then, Southern Miss. To the the top. To the sea. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.